Hello, I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is the Constitution Segment Recap for Season 2, Episode 16 of Restore Freedom Weekly. This week's show was amazing, but it went totally off script. We ended up talking about motions, and that's what we're going to be talking about today and doing the recap on. But we had a special guest kind of surprise us last minute and want to come on live and ask some questions about a current case that she's dealing with. And so actually two different cases. And so we answered a lot of questions for her about that and answered some questions from the viewers about it. And and so at any rate, a lot of our show had some great valuable stuff that we're not going to cover in today's uh, Constitution segment recap, but there's still stuff that you would want to touch on yet again. So make sure to check out that full episode for those details. Getting back to the main scripted portion of what we were going to cover in this week's episode, uh, that's what we're going to cover in today's Constitution segment recap. And the topic is a motion has been filed in your case. Now what? Keep in mind, this is still just the Constitution segment recap. So to hear that full discussion, even on just these portions alone, check out that full episode, the link for which is on page two of the slideshow. And the link for the slideshow, as always, is in the description of today's segment. So in talking about a motion being filed and well, now what do you do? Uh, we wanted to talk about number one, what to expect, whether it's in a civil or criminal case. Number two, what to expect, whether you filed the motion or the opposing party did. And number three, we need to keep in mind that cases can be won and lost on motions alone. And so it's vital that you're prepared and have the information about how these things can work. Now, true or false questions of the week are posted at 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays. The answers are posted 10 p.m. on Tuesdays. And they're always about the topic of the week that we're going over. Uh, so you can see this uh, week's question posted here. Um, remember, remember those questions are, those polls are posted on Telegram or YouTube. You can go to t.me slash restore freedom or youtube.com slash restore freedom to be able to check out those questions and answer those polls. Uh, it's just a fun little way to see what it is that you know about courts, the legal system, the constitution, or anything in between. Now, getting into today's topic, you have a motion. One party files the motion. Another party files a response. And the first person that filed the motion, they can oftentimes file a reply to the response. But that reply is going to be limited in the number of pages or, or characters, however your state narrows down uh, you know, what you're allowed to file. But also, it's narrowed down in scope. You're only allowed to talk about in your reply what was brought up in the response. Actually, the same is kind of true in a response. You're only allowed to address in your response what was brought up in the main motion unless in your response you're actually bringing up your own motion to the court now in motions a hearing is usually scheduled because if you think about it due process requires it due process requires notice and opportunity to be heard one of the best ways to be heard is to actually have a hearing and have it argued in court um, so that notice of hearing is often part of that. Um, it's either something that's uh, printed off and sent out by the court itself, or if you're the one filing the motion and scheduling it, uh, you're going to have to often be the one to put together that notice of hearing after getting the dates from the court and sending it out to the opposing party. Whether you're an attorney or not, those court rules would apply to you as well. Now, um, Defenses. Defenses, uh, and I have on the screen here that you'll be able to reference in this slideshow, uh, court rules like Michigan Court Rule 2.111 or Florida Court Rule 1.140B that basically talk about if you have a defense, whether it's to the other sides, maybe they brought a whole case against you or they filed a complaint, uh, you have to file an answer that brings up any and all defenses that you have. Otherwise, if you have other defenses, you can't bring them up later. They're considered waived. The only thing that's not waived would be a defense. Uh, that there's no subject matter jurisdiction because that one you can bring up at any time uh, in any state. You can bring that up at any time. 
But um, the uh, the main thing is that you need to bring up any and all defenses that you have in that first pleading in your answer. Now, if it's a motion, maybe it's the defendant that filed the motion. Who knows? Whoever brought up the motion, the other side would have defenses to that. Whatever the request is that the, the person filing the motion is making, the other side typically is going to object. And maybe it's because they disagree about the facts or they disagree about the law being applied. Whatever it is, they have to bring all of those defenses into uh, their written response to the court to that motion. If there's a, a defense to uh, a motion that you have that you don't bring up, that defense is deemed waived, except if it's subject matter jurisdiction. Now, something else that's important, and I know this might sound all super boring and dull, but it's super important stuff that can lead to the uh, complete dismissal of a case or for you to win or lose a claim if you follow these simple rules. Uh, and pay attention if the other side does not, which is what's happened in my case here, and it happened in my case in Michigan as well. But in Michigan uh, Court Rule 2.113, you'll see that there is a rule about paragraphs that um, each paragraph has to be about the same set of circumstances. Uh, so you have to separate all your ideas out, whether it's about the facts or about the law, you have to se separate them all out. Uh, so each set of circumstances, each point, each main point is its own paragraph and they're numbered, they're numbered consecutively. And that is the case whether you are um, filing a motion or a complaint, or whether you are responding to the other side's documents. Florida has the same court rules. You have to put everything in consecutively numbered paragraphs. And so that way it makes it easier to refer to those paragraphs later on. I can refer to the numbered paragraphs of, of your pleading, your motion, uh, if we're on you know opposing sides of the case, or maybe you know if, if something comes up and I need to make an immediate objection in the middle of trial, I could say, wait a minute, I object to this line of questioning or this argument they're making at trial because they've already admitted this in paragraph 16 uh, of their motion, uh, you know, whatever. It it's, does serve a purpose. Now, it's hard to see on the screen here in this video uh, as it was in the show on Tuesday, but you can easily look at this uh, on your own screen. Uh, you have full access to this. You can zoom in however you need to. But this is just showing what an example would look like of a motion, how they're in numbered paragraphs. I have uh, different things written out here as examples and uh, the second part of the page on, on the next slide. Um, so why look at that example? Well, uh, Michigan Court Rule 2.111 and Florida Court Rule 1.110C both say the same thing, that you're required to put into writing any defense that you have to each of those things. So let's say um, the other side is the one that filed um, a motion, then and, and I'm on the opposing side, I, in my answer, my response to the motion, I have to address each of those things. And I have to say whether I'm admitting or denying uh, each one of those numbered paragraphs. And if I'm denying, now let's look at this example here on these pages. Uh, you could see this, these next uh, four pages that I squeezed onto the next two slides here, those show you that there were no numbered paragraphs in the uh, response that came from the city of Ormond Beach recently in my case, uh, let alone were there numbered paragraphs being used to admit or deny anything that I brought up in my motion. Um, so the thing is in Michigan and in um, Florida, not only do you have to say that you are denying something that the other side brought up, you have to actually say why and put substance into your denial. 
uh, that's very important. You have to say why. So you would say, for example, oh, well, the city, you know, we admit the, the allegations in their paragraph number one of their motion. Okay, good. Now we're narrowing down the issues. Now we know what we're actually litigating here. Number two, well, we're denying the allegations in your paragraph number two because, and then we fill in the blank. Um, so that is what is required. Now, here is the kicker. What is the effect of the failure to deny, both in the Michigan court rule and in the Florida court rule and in most other states? If you don't deny something, it is deemed admitted. So in my case, if you look at the actual original motion, emergency motion I filed, uh, you could see all of the numbered paragraphs I made, all of the allegations about the facts and the laws and what I was bringing to the court. And that craptastic little response, that four-page response we just looked at a minute ago from the city, didn't respond to any of that. It didn't deny, let alone give reasons why it would deny any of the laws or the facts I brought up. So they are deemed as having admitted every single thing that I brought forth. So why is this super important? Well, it goes into due process of law, which we don't have time to talk about here right now. But keep in mind that if you do end up where, it, such as in my case, the, the city, when they filed their response, they didn't follow these rules. They didn't use the numbered paragraphs. Uh, they didn't respond and properly deny what they were trying to deny. They didn't give any reasons for denying anything. I was then able to file a response or a reply saying that their, their whole response should be thrown out. And that gives uh, the proper legal grounds for the court to simply accept my request in full, grant my full motion, and sign the proposed order that I had prepared and submitted to the court originally. So those are all examples that you could check out. We shared those, uh, in fact, on Friday from last week with our Freedom Fighting Tools. Um, so make sure to check those out. Um, check out the due process um, requirements of our state and federal constitutions that uh, kind of are the underpinning for why uh, this these kinds of requirements that we're talking about today or would be so important. There's some real life case example links for you here, uh, but make sure to check out that full episode on Tuesday, the Wednesday uh, way to get involved challenge and tomorrow's freedom fighting tools. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Have a great day.